The Bible is both human and divine. It's a collection of literature produced through humans, human words written down and edited by ancient human authors, but it's also divine. Those words were breathed out by God himself through them. The Bible is a unified story, and that story is also about a human and divine partnership. How God appointed humans to be his image to rule the world on his behalf. But the problem is that we're unable to choose God's wisdom. We are unable to rule. And God's solution to this problem is the most important theme in the story of the Bible. How God will raise up from among us and appoint a human who will show us what it means to be the image of God. Because Messiah is a category that comes from the Hebrew Bible itself. And um, the story is building up this crisis and this need for someone to come and do something. One of the titles for that figure who's needed is the Hebrew word Messiah. And then if I'm a follower of Jesus, Messiah, of course my confession of faith is that I believe Jesus is that one. Jesus famously said that the Hebrew Bible is all about him, about his sacrifice for us, about the salvation we could find through him. The whole story, every story, every poem, every word, it's all about him. I have come over the years, whatever struggles that I might have in seeing the story Jesus says is in the Old Testament, I've come to the place where if I don't understand how a book of the Bible is somehow about that, the problem is for sure me. I'm not asking the right questions. I don't know what to look for yet when I'm looking at XYZ book in the Hebrew Bible. And once I know what the right questions are, then I'll, I'll see how it fits into this thing. And so what is the story of the Bible about? It's tempting to think it's about me, but it's not. It's about the Messiah. And yet, we're called to become one with the Messiah so that his life can become our life and his victory our victory. The Bible's not about me. The Bible is about the Messiah, and therefore, it's about us, which has very personal implications. It doesn't, it's not private. It's not about me. It's about us and who we are in the world together because of what the story of the Messiah is all about. I'm John Collins from Bible Project, and today I talk with Tim Mackey and Chris Aquin about the third pillar of our paradigm. The Bible is messianic literature. Thanks for joining us. Here we go. All right, we're walking through our mission statement that the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus and talking about how that's a paradigm for reading the Bible that we really want to unpack. And we're unpacking it slowly and actually seven different attributes of this paradigm. We've done the first two, Mm -hmm. which is that the Bible is both human and divine. And then secondly, that the Bible is unified literature. This third attribute is about how the Bible is messianic literature. Mm -hmm. Big fancy word (laughs) that you don't use every day, unless you're a Bible scholar, I suppose. But we're gonna gonna get at it. And with me is Tim and Carissa. Hey guys. Hey. Hello. So Tim, you wanna lead us through, uh, what do you mean, what do we mean that the Bible is messianic literature? Yes. We spent the last few episodes talking about what we mean when we say the Bible is unified. Right. It's a collection of diverse literature, but that is unified. And one of the ways that we said it's unified, that we spelled out a little bit in the last two conversations, last two podcast episodes, was that there's a governing story that unifies it that's being told from beginning to end. Not always in a straightforward, linear way. Sometimes the story will pause and double back and recover 
parts of it or f- go back and focus in on certain things. But um, there's a basic governing story. There was even one video that we made because the first words of Genesis are in the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in the second to last paragraph of the Revelation, the narrative ends but saying, and they reigned forever and ever, mm-hmm. referring back to the image of God on page one, which is God blessed them and appointed them to reign, let mm-hmm. them reign. Yeah. So there's a governing story. And that governing story is what we're referring to in this point. We're just going to focus in on the unified storyline of the Bible, which is what we're calling messianic. The story is messianic. It's a story about the Messiah. Okay. That's what the story's about. The story's about a lot of things, Mm -hmm. right? But what is it mainly about? What is it mainly about? Yeah. Here, it just raises the bigger question of what is the Bible about, which will give us really significant guiding lines as to what it's for and what you do with it. So back to our kind of three unhelpful approaches or paradigms for reading the Bible. It's the theology dictionary and organized as such. Therefore, I read it as a dictionary. That's one unhelpful paradigm. Another is the moral handbook, and I read it as such, or the theology, or no, the spiritual grab bag. Devotional grab bag. Yeah, devotional grab bag. So each of those assumes an approach to the Bible based on what it is. Mm -hmm. And so what we're saying here is that what it is, is a unified story that you could say is about the Messiah. But that itself forces you to ask, like, what what does that mean? So that means we'd read it in a different way than we would if it were a moral handbook. Mm Mm-hmm. And it would Mm -hmm. have a different impact on us. Yeah, that's right. It's a simple point that I think has massive implications Mm -hmm. to one of those kinds of things. Okay, so before we get into what the Messiah is, well, Mm -hmm. maybe we have to get into it to answer this question, Mm -hmm. but I'm just curious why you would say it is the most important part of the story. It's what the story is all about. Mm Because you could say the story is all about God ruling the earth through humans. Mm -hmm. You could say the story is all about... Yeah, that is Mm -hmm. messianic. That is messianic. <laughs> okay, that's messianic. Let's get into it. Oh, here's here's the definition. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, we wrote a sentence summarizing yeah, it. Yes. It says, the story of the Bible and all of its main themes come to their fulfillment in Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, and the gift of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. That Okay, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because every, every time we write a theme video, mm-hmm. we isolate kind of one kind of interesting motif going on yeah. in the story of the Bible, and we trace that. And every single time it comes to this climax in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, Jesus is like this gravity that every theme just like rushes to him. Mm -hmm. And then through his life, you see the theme come to some sort of fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And then in his death and resurrection, even more so. And then through the life of the people who follow him. Mm -hmm. So what... Mm -hmm. There's some, like, gravity to him, yeah, and that's what you mean by messianic. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's right. So a couple simple places to turn to kind of start this conversation are, you could ask a question this way. Why should anybody care about a collection of ancient Mm. Jewish literature? Mm -hmm. Mm. What does that have to do with anything? Yeah. That's a great question, actually. Mm -hmm. It's not obvious to anyone why you should care about the Hebrew Bible. Why should you care about it more than you care about... Egyptian yeah. Yeah, totally. literature yeah, or right. Shakespeare. So one, one way to think about it is uh, if I'm a follower of Jesus, or I could, I could use the word Christian, which is an English word. To mean Christ follower? Spelling a Greek word <laughs> that is the Greek word for Messiah. Messiah. Oh, that's right. The word Christ is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Mashiach, which is the word Messiah. So even if I'm a Christian, it means I'm a Messiah person. Messiah person. (laughs) And why would I care about the Hebrew scriptures? Well, um, they were of huge significance and importance 
to the person I think is the Messiah, and that is Jesus of Nazareth. So here's a, a story about Jesus mm-hmm. from the end of the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 24. It's one of these stories where Jesus appears surprisingly to his followers after he's risen from the dead, and they're freaked out. They think he's a ghost at first. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, hey, do you have any fish? I'm so hungry. <laughs> so hungry right now. Yes, it took it out of me. <laughs> just to raise Dying from the dead. rising from the dead. So hungry. I just need a snack. <laughs> So what he says to the people in the room, and he says, uh, this is Luke 24, 44. These are the words that I was speaking to you while I was still with you. All the things written about me in the Torah of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms. Notice he's got a three-part shape mm-hmm. to the scriptures on the mind, on his mind. All of that was written about me in the Tanakh, Torah, the prophets, the writings, had to be fulfilled, had to come to its fullness. It's as if Jesus reads the mm-hmm. Hebrew scriptures as something that forms like an empty container. Mm. It's a story that creates an emptiness that must be filled full. Mm. That's a cool image. It is. The Torah and the prophets had to be filled full. And what he says is, it's about me. It's what he just said. All the things written about me in the Torah, prophets. And And that's similar to what he says on um, in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Where he says, because people were worried like, hey, are you teaching something Mm. Hmm. beyond the Torah and the prophets, or are you dismissing the Torah and the prophets? Yeah. And he's like, no, I've come to fill them full. That's right. It's the same word. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, play ra'o. Yeah, to fill up. So what happens in this story, after he says that, uh, Luke tells us that then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, this is what's written. So it, this is so great because it's in one sentence. It's a long one. A long sentence, but it's in one sentence, Jesus' summary of what the Hebrew Bible is about. Hmm. And here's what he says. This is what is written, that the Messiah would suffer, would rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. This is Jesus' summary of what the Torah, prophets, and writings are about. (laughs) Why does he say, there's nowhere where it's written than this sentence. No, Nowhere in the no, Torah no, does this it is Jesus' shorthand summary. So when Jesus says it is written, mm-hmm. he doesn't mean like go and you could mm-hmm. find this written somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He means it's ah. about. This is what the whole story is about. This is yeah, what it's about. But you're, you're right to pay attention to the same little phrase, thus mm-hmm. it is written or so it's written, is often a quotation formula hmm. to mark a specific sentence that right. gets quoted. But so here it's not. to make it in his words, very authoritative, like the same way that if he were quoting from the Hebrew Bible, Mm -hmm. it would be authoritative. He's saying, this is what it's all about. Yeah. So connected with what he said earlier, it's about me. And then here he says, it's about the Messiah. So yeah, we should do a little session on the word Messiah, Mm -hmm. what that implies, what that means. But it's about a figure who would go into death and suffering and then come out of death and suffering and that somehow that would release or open up something that's really good news for other people. Here, uh, that it's about the announcement that the, all of the failures of humanity are forgiven, and that that message will be announced to all the nations starting in Jerusalem. That's his summary. Yeah. I just remember for years I would sit with this and be like, man, you know, when I try to read some mm-hmm. part of the Old Testament, I just... I have a hard time seeing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. That's, think, that's not the summary I would give after my first few years of trying to read the Old Testament. So how did Jesus get there? Yeah, how did Jesus get there? Yeah. 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 It almost 
like causes an amount of trust. You know, mm. when you read this mm. out of Jesus's mouth and he's saying, this is what it's all about. It's like, okay, I'm going to make that my mm. underlying assumption now mm. reading sympathetically with Jesus, mm-hmm. the Old Testament, when I can't see yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I should be asking the question, mm-hmm. how is this book of the Bible fitting into the story of yes. the suffering Messiah who will rise from the dead and offer forgiveness yeah. of sins to all nations? Yeah, totally. And that's not an easy question to answer yeah. <laughs> in yeah, every text right. that you read in the Hebrew Bible. You know, it's also interesting. I remember, you know, vividly the season. I'd just been a Christian a few years trying to read the Bible, like figure out how it all works, having a hard time. But I do remember I was attending a church at the time, and I remember one particular Bible teacher at this church, and he, he had a really winsome way of preaching from the Old Testament. In a, and I didn't, all my categories are being formed, like I didn't know. And uh, what I could notice was that he would take a story from the Old Testament, and then he would abstract it, abstract kind of like a moral lesson. Mm-hmm. And then the person who would get put into the slot of the main character was he would invite you, the listener, to see yourself as what the story is about. Mm. So it's a story about Isaac. And, it's really about you. And he's digging wells and the Philistines don't like him because he's finding wells everywhere. But he's God's chosen one who wants to provide wells for him even in a difficult season. Mm-hmm. And so you, dear listener or reader, are like Isaac. God wants to bless you and give you wells of water in the wilderness when all your enemies are against you. But the technique was for you to see Isaac in this case or any given story, but actually I remember a really specific sermon about on Gen- Isaac. Genesis 26 on Isaac. Mm. Uh, you see them as like a model mm. for yourself okay. in the world. And so what I can do is, is then look at my life circumstances and see that this story is ultimately a you know, like a model for me and my circumstances. And that's not totally wrong, but there's something about making each story about me and my spiritual journey Mm. that I think is actually really different than what Jesus is Mm. trying to tell us about what all these stories in the Torah prophets and writings are about. He says they're about him. Mm. And in their being about him, that will implicate me and Mm -hmm. speak to me in a very important way. But to me, that's a helpful yeah. way to think about it. Is it about me? Right. <laughs> or is it about the Messiah? But by being about the Messiah, and we'll talk more about mm-hmm. this, but that does mean that it is about us. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's about me because it's about the Messiah. Right. So there's like a process of interpretation. Yeah, that's right. But, but if you skip the Messiah bit and you're just like, mm-hmm. oh, Isaac's a model for me, yep. mm-hmm. then you start to just moralize all of these yep. stories yep. versus seeing how their patterns yeah. towards the need of a Messiah, which then implicates me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think part of the reason why the moral handbook approach, especially to Old Testament Mm -hmm. biblical narrative, only works part of the time is when biblical characters are portrayed positively Mm -hmm. and they're doing good and they are models of positive behavior. Yeah. But the problem is those same characters... (laughs) David slaying the Goliath. Exactly. Those same characters are just as often not just portrayed as having like flaws and I'm flawed too, but as like being really horrible people. Mm. And so it raises the whole question of like, but I'm not supposed to be like that, yeah. you know? And then it kind of makes it be like, well, I don't, am I supposed to be like David anyway? I mean, <laughs> it's just, uh, and so it raises the question, maybe that's the wrong question. The whole question is, what does David's story point to? What does it tell me about what humans are like? Mm-hmm. And 
about if humans are to be God's partners in the world, that, is, that assumes the whole thing we should talk about. What kind of human are we going to need? Well, probably not someone like that, mm-hmm. but probably someone like that. And it's just a different orientation point. Mm-hmm. And maybe I didn't think this through super thoroughly before raising it, but I, it, this brought clarity to me along the way. A fundamental point of, is the Bible about me? Yeah. And that's why I read it? Mm-hmm. Or is the Bible about the Messiah? Hmm. And therefore, it's about me because it's about the Messiah. Yeah. Yeah. It speaks to me because it's about the Messiah. And those are different starting points. make this very concrete. We're talking very abstracted. Okay, deal. So let's talk about, can we just do David? Sure. Um, in what way is David about the Messiah? Mm. Okay, actually, so here, I'm going to press pause. Okay. Because the way that David's about Messiah is the same way that the story of Moses or the story <laughs> of Abraham or the story of Noah or Seth and Cain and Abel It's the same question. How are any of those about the Messiah? Because that is what Jesus is saying. The whole thing's about me. Okay. We could take any character, which David's a good one. But before we do David, let's back it up Mm -hmm. and say, what is the fundamental story about that would help you see how any of these characters is a story about the Messiah? Does that make any sense? Yes. Although we just said the fundamental story is about the Messiah suffering and dying. Yeah. So that's just a shorthand. That's a shorthand. So let's pause. Okay. Right? Let's go back and let's say, okay, let's try and think through what the Old Testament story is about that someone could arrive at that conclusion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe we can like reverse engineer something like yeah. that. I think saying that the Bible is about Jesus could be difficult on the one hand because we're thinking, no, actually, isn't it about David or Cain and Abel or Adam and Eve or mm. myself? Like mm. that's the one side. But the other side of saying the Bible is about Jesus could be maybe an error we could make when we think that is that we too quickly say everything is about Jesus without oh, going through a process. I don't yeah, know how to describe yeah. that more, but yeah, do you guys sure. know what I'm talking about? Like yep. with the Passover lamb, mm-hmm. reading that story outside of the ancient Israelite context to just be about the person Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that the authors were writing about Jesus and they knew it and this is why they said it this way. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we can distinguish from that too. Yeah, because I would make a distinction between saying it's about Jesus and saying it's about the Messiah. Yeah, okay. Because Messiah is a category Mm. that comes from the Hebrew Bible itself. Yeah, yeah. And um, the story is building up this crisis and this need for someone to come and do something. And that someone and one of the titles for that figure who's needed is Messiah. Is the Hebrew word Messiah. And then if I'm a follower of Jesus, Messiah, <laughs> of course my confession of faith is that I believe Jesus is that one. To me it's an important little difference to yeah. say uh, looking for the Messiah in the Old Testament is a little bit different than looking for Jesus, mm. even though I do believe Jesus is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. It's helpful for me at least mm-hmm. to kind of. And maybe helpful even to think about how that portrait of the Messiah develops Mm-hmm. throughout the story. So yes, it yes. maybe just starts as oh, there's a need for a true human or 
humanity to rule with God. And then as that story develops, it becomes more and more specific. Yes. That this is a certain kind of person, not that kind of person. It's this kind of person. Mm -hmm. It's also this kind of person. Yeah. It becomes more specific. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. So the basic dynamic of the story is that it generates expectation uh, that becomes future hope based on just the sheer momentum created by the plot crisis of the biblical story. So it begins by saying God's purpose. God's purpose is to rule the world through his human images, male and female, fruitful, multiply, happy people and birds and animals and gardens. And there you go. It's the Eden ideal. It is the Eden ideal. And can I say that that does seem kind of human centric, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, you kind of just went out of your way to say, like, hey, let's not read the Bible and just try to see us in it. Um, oh, 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 got it. Oh, and, yeah, um, that's right. And then I've also been told throughout the years is, like, hey, the story of the Bible is not about you. Mm-hmm. The story of the Bible is about God. In the <laughs> right. beginning, God. Yeah, yeah. Not in sure. the beginning, <laughs> sure. humans. Sure, sure. But the way you just said that, mm-hmm. which is what the Bible is about, God appoints humans yeah. as his image to rule. And then at that point, you're like, this story seems like a lot about yeah. than humans, what God mm-hmm. wants to do with humans. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's about God and humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, God's that's rescue right. of we're humanity. Right at, we're right at the center of the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's also written by humans. So, <laughs> so we've got a bias there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not written by Martians or like. Uh... <laughs> okay, so the first title given to humans, other than the word Adam, Hebrew word Adam, humanity, is uh, image. Image. Representative. The word image means representation. Yes. One who represents another. And it also is the word for idol statue. It's the same word as uh, statue. That's right. Which uh, is what? A physical representation of a deity. So even though the word image is different than the word Messiah, they actually mean roughly the same thing. Really? So humans are appointed as God's representatives. Okay. They fail. They betray and fail. So then the opportunity is passed on to the next generation. Another story of murder and failure Next generation keeps down, 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 down. So things get so bad that there is uh, a lot of violence spreading on the land. This is Genesis 4, Genesis 6. So God allows the cosmos to collapse Mm. back in on itself through the flood. The waters coagulate again, come back together. (laughs) But he takes one representative and then a few others with that representative, Noah, Mm -hmm those with Noah, and he delivers that one through the waters of death up to a high place where uh, he offers a sacrifice on behalf of creation. Noah. Plants a new garden. Plants a new garden, and the story begins to thematically recycle. Mm -hmm. Because then he fails. So, and then Noah replays the failure of Adam and Eve, Mm -hmm. and the cycle begins repeating. And so each time you go through the cycle of a human set up, to be the image. To be the image, then failure, creating chaos and violence. There's a collapse of order, and out of that collapse is a remnant or a chosen one mm-hmm. who is delivered through, and then God starts over with them. Yeah, yep. and often through waters or through yes. a yep. deathly experience like waters. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, through waters like in the flood, mm-hmm. through the scattering or the dissolution of Babylon. Mm-hmm. In which is an exile of sorts, which yeah. is like That's right. a flood. That's right. Or the Israelites going through the waters of the Red Sea Correct. and out the other side. Yep. Through the rain of fire that comes oh, on yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah. It rains. <laughs> Just like the in the flood, flood, but it rains yeah. fire instead mm-hmm. of water. These are all decreation moments. Yeah, these mm-hmm. moments where God lets 
uh, order collapse in on itself because of the evil and violence of, of human beings. And so that story set on repeat dozens and dozens and dozens of times throughout the Hebrew Bible starts to train your mind to mm. think about the world in a certain way. Mm. So what emerges from the story is all of these representative figures. Sometimes uh, they are given various names, Noah, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. But then sometimes they're given titles. And when you get into the, the heart of the Torah, uh, in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, the representative figure is a, Israel's high priest, mm -hmm. uh, who's called, for the first time in the Hebrew Bible, the Mashiach in Hebrew. Means, is he? Means high the uh, anointed mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Oh. The first person in the Hebrew Bible called the Mashiach, or Messiah, is Israel's high priest. Yeah, and they go through the whole process of anointing yes. the priests. Yeah, so the high priest is, is an image is yeah. a representative figure. Of all of Israel. Yeah, represents Israel before God. So represents a whole group of humans in front of God. This figure is a both priestly and royal. They wear a crown. They wear a golden crown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they have all the jewels that have written the tribes of the families of Israel. And the tabernacle and temple that the high priest goes in and out of is all designed as the symbolic Eden. Mm -hmm. It's a return back into Eden to offer intercession and sacrifice before God for the failures of mm. the people. So they're acting out what all humanity is supposed to be doing. Exactly right. Yes. So a high priest walking into the tabernacle, carrying the blood of a sacrificed animal, mm -hmm. going in, offering, sprinkling that blood symbolically seven times before God as an offer of complete surrender and the offer of a life. Then the high priest emerges out alive. From the tent, and then announces God's blessing on mm -hmm. the people once a year on the Day of Atonement. It's a Messiah. You said that like you're surprised they're alive. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, here, Why? It's a human who's just taken symbolically every oh. Israelite failure over the. I'm talking about the Day of Atonement, yeah, here, okay. which is the center chapter of the whole Torah. It's yeah. the Day of Atonement, oh. and he goes in, and it's like every time Moshe cursed his neighbor. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> Esther's like shortchanged somebody at the market and I just every failure, every failure of this whole people group gets mm -hmm. symbolically placed upon mm -hmm. the high priest who uh, carries the blood of a surrendered animal life into the tent. Yeah. And there's this little detail in the high priestly clothing chapters in Exodus. It says you put little metal pomegranate bells on the hems so that he won't die. It's as if um, there needs to be a little noise so if you can hear him walking around because the moment you hear those bells stop ringing. <laughs> something went wrong. Something went wrong, you know. Um, so the idea is that uh, it's a human They're going, facing death by yes, going go into yeah. the whole, they're going to the holy space. Yes. Um, carrying all of the, the failures, failures the of, Israel. of Israel. That's right. Yeah. And so he takes a, a symbolic oh, wow. offered life on behalf of the people, yeah. a, an animal that's died instead uh -huh. of the people and that blood sprinkled and then the priest emerges out before everybody, and we're like, he's alive. Huh. God accepted the, our oh. surrender. So cool. And then the priest blesses the people. Wow. Even hearing that, and then remembering what you said about mm. what you just read about Jesus yes. in Luke yeah. 24, that the Ma Mashiach, yes. like if we're thinking about the priest, mm -hmm. the Mashiach will proclaim repentance and forgiveness yes. of sins. That yes. wouldn't have been a foreign concept. Yeah, no, no. It's and not... even entering into death. Yeah. And then emerging out of death. Alive. Yeah. yeah. 
Because that's how they would have thought about that's what that the Day of Atonement's all day of about. Atonement that ritual. symbolic practice. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Hmm. Yeah, so, uh, the Day of Atonement, in a way, is a, is being summarized in symbolic mm. form here by Jesus in mm. the end of Luke twenty-four. And the Day of Atonement, what the high priest is doing, is a ritual practice that is also being played out in all these narratives mm-hmm. about Noah and the flood, or Moses being up on Mount Sinai and offering his life mm. for the sins of the people down below. Mm because they're worshiping an image instead of being the image of God. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not just one story. It's not just... Yes, it's not exactly. just the high priest. Yeah, it's not just yeah, the high priest. That's it's right. All, it's these, all these narratives working together. You got it. And creating a pattern of death yes. through the waters or through suffering life out the other side. Yeah. 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 The other figures named Messiah in the Hebrew Bible are, are Israel's kings, mm-hmm. and specifically David, mm-hmm. and then his... His lineage. Because they are also anointed. Yeah. To represent the people before God. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is kind of what traditionally an, an image was, right? Was mm. the king of, of a nation. Yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah. 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 That's like, how you started, I think, by saying the image and the Mashiach are right. yeah. a similar concept. Yeah. Like a neighboring civilization would call the king the image of God. Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, exactly right. This is uh, the liberating image the scholar who wrote the liberating image. Uh, Richard Middleton. Richard, yes. Yeah, uh, Richard Middleton's amazing book on the image mm-hmm. of God in the Hebrew Bible called The Liberating Image. But yeah, he surveys Egyptian, Assyrian, and Babylonian cultures looking for this vocabulary of the image. And it's used specifically to describe the kings yeah. mm-hmm. of these nations. <laughs> so uh, we've talked about this. Whereas in the Hebrew Bible, everyone is every human is a king and a queen. But then they want a king. Yes. Israel wants a king. Yeah, yeah. God yeah. lets them have a king. Just like they want an image of God instead of the uh, God who can't be seen. So also they want a single king to image God to them instead of taking on the mm-hmm. responsibility as a whole. Yeah. So the selection of a Mashiach in one person uh, as a king ends up being a failure story. That's the story of Saul. But David arises, and David's whole story is like constantly going in and out of death uh, and trusting that God will raise him from the dead mm. if, out of all of these terrible scenarios. And then ultimately, God promises that uh, he would raise up a future seed from his line who will build a temple that connects God and his people and heaven and earth, and that that king will reign forever and ever, Second mm-hmm. Samuel chapter 7. So that's a, for sure another passage and character and theme that's on Jesus' mind here. Mm-hmm. So I have come over the years, whatever struggles that I might have in seeing the story Jesus says is in the Old Testament. Uh-huh. I've come to the place where if I don't understand how a book of the Bible is somehow about that, mm. the problem is for sure me. Mm-hmm. And the, I'm not asking the right questions. I don't know what to look for yet when I'm looking at XYZ book in the Hebrew Bible. And once I know what the right questions are, then I'll, I'll see how it fits into this thing. What kind of questions would you ask that might just be helpful to keep in mind as people are reading? Well, I think uh, for me, it's been about discovering how the Eden story 
is actually on recycle throughout the whole rest of the mm -hmm. Hebrew Bible. Mm -hmm. And so every later book and story and theme is somehow all connected back to the story of the image of God failing mm -hmm. in Eden. Mm -hmm. And so, like Song of Songs, mm -hmm. for example, yeah. it's a story about the seed of David and Lady Wisdom yeah. uh, being reunited. And it's the image of the reunion of Adam and Eve mm -hmm. as the new humanity in, in the garden. Mm -hmm. And you can follow the hyperlinks through yeah. Song of Solomon's, and it goes back through the story of Solomon connected to the Garden of Eden story. But it's about the reunion of, of humans with God's wisdom to be his lovers and co-rulers in the garden. Mm -hmm. And so it fits so in. funny that yeah. was the that was the book I was going to ask about. Like oh, when you're like, there's still times where you get kind of like, how's this about yeah. the Messiah? And I was like, yeah, like Song yeah. of Songs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the brilliance of the Song of Songs yeah. is its ability to communicate on multiple levels mm -hmm. at once. Mm -hmm. so, it can be a love story between people, or yeah. Yeah. a love story between humanity and God, and God's right. wisdom. Or, yeah, yeah, that's right. Between humanity and the garden, there's so much garden imagery, so much temple imagery. And Solomon, obviously yeah. Solomon, yeah. figures in the book a number of times. Yeah, so the king, it's associated with the king. So, so the question you're saying is when you read something you ask, or a helpful question to ask is how does this relate to the garden yeah. story? Yeah. Any themes, any repeated words or patterns mm -hmm. that come out of that and how later stories after the garden story are reused mm -hmm. in, in like Song of Songs because you see the temple themes there. Yeah. It's not just the garden story, it's yeah. the temple too. Yes. So not every book of the Hebrew Bible has to be about the whole biblical story. Mm -hmm. What it means is every book in the Hebrew Bible is picking up some core theme of the meta story and riffing on it, filling mm -hmm. it out, mm -hmm. developing or focusing on it. And so in that case, Song of Songs, I think, is focusing in on the reunion mm -hmm. of humanity with divine wisdom mm -hmm. by telling a story about a man and a woman, which maps onto Adam and Eve. But even Adam and Eve get developed as characters in the book of Proverbs as the seed of David and Lady Wisdom mm -hmm. and so on. And so this this messianic literature, if we're reading Song of Songs, is messianic literature. Yeah. By our definition, the story of the Bible or the story of Song of Songs, maybe in all of its mm. main themes, come to their fulfillment in Jesus' life, death mm. and resurrection. So you'd see this the story of humanity being reunited with God as a part of the story of... Mm. That's fulfilled mm. in Jesus. Yeah, mm -hmm. humanity being reconnected to God's wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. And as we're talking to Song of Songs, mm -hmm. where it's like in Genesis 2 or Genesis 3, humanity decides not to eat of the tree of life and use their own wisdom. And thus, like the first mega failure story, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's this kind of theme of like abandoning God's wisdom for something else. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's what the story of the tree is all about. Yeah. A, a misguided quest for wisdom. And so yeah. how does the Messiah mm -hmm. reconnect us to God's wisdom? Yeah, that's right. And that comes in a fulfillment with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Both mm -hmm. in the story of the Gospels, but then also giving us a framework to think about Jesus's relationship to the Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom. Yeah. And then, therefore, my relationship to the Spirit, that the Spirit can give God's wisdom to the followers of Jesus, which is like a reunion of yeah. Adam with Lady Wisdom. It turns out that I am an Adam because the word Adam means human. <laughs> <laughs> so in that sense, it is about me. Mm. The yeah. story of the Bible is about me because <laughs> it's about Adam, yeah. humanity. Mm -hmm. But it's about me 
because what the story is trying to do is create the need for a kind of human who won't fail the way mm -hmm. all of mm -hmm. the characters keep failing. Right. And so it's a different way of thinking about how the Hebrew Bible points forward mm -hmm. than maybe more typical ways mm -hmm. of thinking mm -hmm. about the Old Testament as predictive prophecy. Mm -hmm. Like right. there was a prophecy, yeah. a prediction, and then Jesus did this thing and then that fulfilled it. Mm -hmm. And that proves that he's the Messiah. But if you look at how the Old New Testament authors quote from the Hebrew Bible or say Jesus fulfills it, that model doesn't work mm -hmm. for all the cases. But this forward momentum model, I think, accounts for it a lot better. Mm -hmm. There's a portrait and we come to expect a certain kind of a person who will mm -hmm. bring about the rescue of yeah. all humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe we could do another example that doesn't begin mm -hmm. with Eden, but it relates to Eden. But it's one that I remember from a few years ago, John, struck you and I in a big way. The Moses story, mm -hmm. um, oh. the golden calf story. But the story about where God, God rescues his people, is going to bring them into the Eden land, and on the way reveals himself to them outside. And yeah. I says, hey, don't make any images, because yeah. y'all are the image mm -hmm. that is the kingdom of priests. But what they do is make the golden calf. Mm -hmm. And so Moses goes up to intercede on behalf of the people, and God says, leave me alone. <laughs> Literally, give me rest. No. He uses Noah's name as a verb. Give me Noah. I'm going to destroy the people. And then Moses proceeds to not leave God alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he starts interceding. And then it says God relented. God changed course mm -hmm. and forgives the people. And, you know, that's a famous story for raising theological debates about yeah. it's God change. Right, it's God change his mind. Mm -hmm. That's right. But what's interesting about the story... And this is just striking me, I guess, in a new way, is if being God's image is representing God, there is this like this sense of we are interceding, mm. right? Mm. That's our purpose. We're oh, interceding sure. on behalf of God sure. for creation. Um, mm -hmm. And so Moses going up and saying, God, I'm not, yeah, I'm going to, I'm standing up for humanity. Mm -hmm. He's being the image of God. Exactly. He's yes, doing it. That's right, yeah. And God's like, sweet, mm -hmm. you're doing it. Yeah, actually what Moses assumes is that he's going to have to die. Mm. He says, listen, I yeah, know take me. Like yeah. these people have done a really terrible thing and that's worthy of an act of just justice. Yeah. So take me out instead of them. Right. He says, blot out my name for their sin. Yeah. And what God does is he has both forgives the people, but he doesn't require Moses' life mm -hmm. in that case. But Moses' intercession is successful. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a good example of like, if uh, the Bible was a theology dictionary, and if that story is about... Does God change his mind? Does God change his mind? You would expect the story to like resolve the puzzle. Yeah. But all the story does is raise this crisis mm -hmm. of humans fail, they're worthy of God's justice, but someone steps in and um, intercedes, intercedes yeah. and God shows mercy. And then that person is this image of the image of God as he comes down the mountain. Yeah, that's right. Glowing. Oh, yeah. Glowing. Yeah, that's and right. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, look at this person so closely connected to God. They're mm -hmm. glowing. Yeah, yeah. Like this human is getting it yep. and, and doing it. Yep. And um, Okay, yeah. so the whole book of Isaiah is modeled on that pattern. The book of Isaiah begins with a whole accusation about how Israel is failing to live by the terms of the covenant. Mm -hmm. Just like the people during Moses' time. Yep. Yeah. And so um, then the whole, in many parts of the book, but especially the opening chapters, it works out how God's going to bring judgment mm -hmm. on Jerusalem and Israel mm -hmm. for what they've done in the form of Assyria and then Babylon. So just like he says to Moses, yeah. leave me alone, let oh. me destroy them. Totally. And so lo and behold, 
Moses was called the servant of the Lord in that story mm -hmm. in Exodus. And so in Isaiah, there raises up this portrait of the figure who's never named, just called the servant, mm -hmm. who comes in to offer his own life, to come before God and offer his own life for the failures of the people. And this figure, it's like the high priest, but it's also like Moses. Yeah. And, but it's never named, and it's held out as something that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And so that is precisely the role that Jesus is presented as filling when you come to the Gospels. John the Baptist mm -hmm. comes on the scene mm -hmm. saying, yeah, the axe is at the root of the tree, you guys. Like, the day of the Lord's coming. And uh, Jesus takes that. That decreation mm -hmm. moment. Yeah, it's the decreation of Israel's in, in coming. In that melody you're talking about, which yeah. is there's failure, failure, mm -hmm. decreations that come, and then a remnant or a chosen one will yep. be pulled out mm -hmm. from yeah. the remnant mm -hmm. to yeah. bring a new creation. An anointed representative steps in. Yeah. Will intercede and offer his own life. Yep. For the people's sins. Yeah. Maybe the first time you see that with Moses, hmm. you wouldn't think, oh, this is going to be a pattern exactly like this. Hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you know that there's going to be a prophet like Moses to come, mm -hmm. but you don't know exactly what that looks like until you start to see that pattern develop. Like in Isaiah, you mm. see, oh, the servant also offers their life for the people. Hmm. That's just like Moses. Yeah. yeah. So I guess this is the pattern developing. That's right. But remember, those patterns later on with Moses are themselves developing a yeah. pattern from Abraham's story mm -hmm. of having mm -hmm. to offer Isaac mm -hmm. yeah. and a substitute, a substitute being delivered, yeah. but, which is itself patterned after Noah mm -hmm. offering the sacrifice after he gets off of the ark. Yeah, this is the first, Moses is the first one that is a self-sacrifice, except yes, for maybe right. Judah. That's right. Uh, offering his life in the place of Benjamin. Oh, oh actually, that one's so rad. Uh, hmm. Totally. Yeah, but that's right. No, yeah. the turn of the tide in the Joseph story is when Judah offers his life on behalf of Joseph's younger brother, when yeah. Judah was the one who betrayed the older brother, that is Joseph, anyway. But it just makes the point where it's what it's about. Mm. It, what yeah. Jesus is saying the Hebrew Bible is about is actually what it's mm. about. Mm -hmm. Like every story, every yeah. book, it's about an anointed representative going into death on behalf of others, coming out to life so that new life and forgiveness can be announced to the world. Yeah, That's what it's about. Yeah. It's not about something else. <laughs> and so, uh, and so. But it's about that in order for all humanity to be God's image. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Because in a way, all humanity is the uh, called to be the anointed representative. That is yeah. the image mm -hmm. right. of God. And so that calling all comes down onto one yeah. so that the many can be restored to become. And actually, You're when I call sounded him, like Paul, are you there? You know, and actually, sorry, <laughs> but no, think, of, think of the irony. Think of uh, the word Christian. Yeah, the mm. Messiah person. Means I'm a Messiah person. I'm yeah. an anointed one. I like that. Yeah. That's what the word means. It's saying yeah. it in English from Greek through, from Greek to Hebrew. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, the whole point is that the one, it's about the one and the many. There's got to be some sort of crew that are called the Messiah people. Yeah. Isn't there? A... Oh, Sounds it... like something from the 70s. <laughs> Sounds very hippie. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of ways that we could go in unpacking this point. But I think for me, there's just, in terms of our beginning point, what is the Bible about and therefore what do you do with it? It's a story. Mm -hmm. It's a unified story about God's purposes for humanity um, that all come focused in on one anointed representative who goes yeah. into death, out the other side, so that life and forgiveness 
and new which creation, is, mm-hmm. which is then what we're all supposed to do as well. Totally, it becomes the model for me. Yes. Mm-hmm. So in that, it's about me precisely, and it being about the Messiah, mm-hmm. or it's about the Messiah. So then it can then become about me. Yeah. It's just saying, but waiting mm-hmm. and saying something. It's about me that feels like, or about all of us. It's about all of us. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. about the calling of humanity, which we can accomplish. We continue to fail at. There's this consistent narrowing down to like, well, maybe this human, maybe mm-hmm. this group, mm-hmm. over and over and over, developing this pattern for the need of someone who can actually do it. Mm-hmm. You can see people get really close. You see Moses is shining. Mm. You see David. Yeah, um, killing, cutting off giants' heads. Cutting off giants, <laughs> just defeating chaos. Yeah, mm-hmm. crushing heads. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> sorry, which is, I'm sorry. Oh, that like this. The snake. snake. It's crushed. It's, it's, yeah. Oh, Sorry. No, the, that's yeah. the way that David is the seed of the snake crushing the, the woman. Yeah. That, yeah. Dude, that's what the whole story okay. of Goliath's about. That's have awesome. we ever talked about this before? Uh, you have mentioned that before. I don't but know, we but haven't I'm really glad got you into said it. That, that... Okay. Uh, here's a fun little homework assignment for podcast listeners. Yeah. So go read First Samuel 17, story of David and Goliath. Just count how many times the word bronze is used in the mm-hmm. chapter. It's uh, used an exorbitant number of times to describe Goliath. Is, is it a multiple mm-hmm. of seven? <laughs> No, the word bronze is spelled with the root letters of the word snake. Oh, yeah. And you're even told that Goliath's armor has um, kashkashon, the word scales, Mm. that's used just a couple other times in the Hebrew Bible to describe reptile scales. So Goliath is depicted in the narrative as being covered with snake and having scales. Yeah. And then his head gets And then he's also connected Mm -hmm. to this idea of the giants, the Nephilim, Nephilim and and Mm -hmm. they're the ones that like were behind a lot of the violence for the initial after the flood flood and so david is is just like i'm getting to the root of the chaos that's right i'm just gonna slice chaos head off that's right slice chaos head off so in this in this view or what we've been talking about when we come to the story of david and goliath Mm -hmm. we would be asking in what way what are my five smooth sounds exactly (laughs) (laughs) who are my giants giants? in my head But no, <laughs> we'd be asking. How is this about the Messiah? Yeah, in what way is David or the story creating this portrait? How is he the fulfilling Messiah? the image of God, mm-hmm. which is what we're supposed to be doing? And then how is that going to give me hope that the image of God can be mm-hmm. fully um, made possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So this story about David is about the Messiah, mm-hmm. which has imp- huge implications for me as a follower of said Messiah. But... Um, It's not about me in that way. Yeah, there, there you go. I think, uh, for again, for me, it's a simple point, but it's reoriented my view of what the Bible is about and therefore what it's for Yeah, and what you do you with You know, it. you really can't, is it too bold to say you can't separate whether the story of the Bible is about me or the Messiah? Mm. And that, that... How about us? I, I liked when you us. made that. It's about yeah. us. About us, Namely, humanity, humanity. <laughs> or the Messiah. Yeah. Because the Messiah is God become human to yes. show us yes. what humanity can be. That's exactly right. And following Jesus the Messiah is becoming part mm-hmm. of him. 
Yeah. His body. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also imitating him through sacrificing ourselves and going through death and finding a new way of life. Mm-hmm. So it's like the two things are the same thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So let me, I'll try reformulation. Yeah. The Bible's not about me. That was not about me. The Bible is about the Messiah, and therefore, it's about us. Yeah. It's about reclaiming the image of God for all humanity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Including me. Which has very personal, (laughs) yeah, very personal implications, but it doesn't, it's not private. Mm, It's not private. It's not about me. It's about us Mm. and who we are in the world together because of what the story of the Messiah is all about. Nice. Hey, what's the deal with the three days? Where does he get that? Mm. Oh, man. Right? Yeah. That's like... Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, one of the first and most significant ones is with the story of Abraham and Isaac going up to Mount Moriah. Because it's on the third day that Isaac is delivered from death by a substitute on the top of Mount Moriah. On the third day from when they left? Mm -hmm. They arrive on the third day, and then he and Isaac go up the mountain. And then you can track through... There's a number of ways that it works. There's lots of narratives where the moment of testing and often a, a passing through the test happens on the third day. Mm. So it could become a shorthand for the test, mm. passing the ultimate test of surrender, which often goes through a moment of risking life to surrender all to God. It'd be a fun video to make. Oh, on about the third day? But yeah, mm. but focusing oh, on the pattern of the third day. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. That phrase, maybe. Yeah. Um, there's also... Well, then Jonah, famously, mm-hmm. he's in the, he's oh, yeah. in the whale right. for three yeah, days. Three days, three nights. That's the one that the trick is, is there's a few different ways the formula can work. It can be on the third day, after three days, mm-hmm. or after three days and three nights. Hmm. And so, whether it's strictly about 72 hours or <laughs> what, 58 hours or something. It's not... Yeah, it's a figure of speech a referring to... device. Yes, yeah. a, a passage of time in which one undergoes an ultimate test. So, when Jesus says the Messiah must suffer and die and after three days, I mean, in space-time, Jesus was in the grave for three days. Or, well, Actually, I guess, I guess not. Yeah, yes, Friday mm-hmm. afternoon to Sunday, Sunday that's morning. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. But it's about another way of rephrasing what Jesus was saying was the Messiah mm-hmm. must suffer and die mm-hmm. and go through the test. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then come out and then offer forgiveness. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Come out victorious through yep. the test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah that's yeah. right. That's the three days. Uh, he did, after all, say in the garden, the garden of Gethsemane, that that was his time of testing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just being in the... Yeah, I guess and the it grave started, wasn't just a test. I guess it started Thursday night. <laughs> um, okay, so summarize the last two aspects of the paradigm mm-hmm. that we did over the course of yeah, three conversations. Yeah, they're really related. The Bible's a unified collection of literature that is about the Messiah, mm-hmm. or in our parlance, it's a unified story that leads to Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of what's underneath that shorthand mm-hmm. statement. Mm-hmm. And... By its being about the Messiah, who I believe is Jesus, it is also about us. Mm. That is how it's about mm. us by being about the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And when you say Messiah, you could be referring to Jesus, mm. or you could just be, be referring to mm-hmm. God anointing mm. someone mm. for a task, mm-hmm. in which case, mm-hmm. all humanity yeah, is sure. the Messiah. Yeah, that's but right. But we couldn't, so we needed a Messiah to do it for us, that then we can join and through that, the power of that Messiah, yeah. which happens to also be the power of God's spirit, um, accomplish the task. Mm-hmm. 
pass through the test, go through the chaos waters, rip off some heads of giants, and um, yep. find shalom. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. When I go back and think about when I was first introduced to the Bible, it would have been so helpful if I was introduced to the Bible. At least somebody's saying, you want to know what it's about? It's about this. <laughs> and somehow it's just taken me a much longer, more complicated journey to come to a place of clarity about what it's about. It's sort of like hidden in plain sight if you read one of the Gospels. It's what Jesus says it's about. Yeah. But, but I read the statement in Luke while also taking classes at a Bible college, mm. and it wasn't clear from many of those classes that this is what the Bible's about. Yeah. That's just, that's weird when yeah, I step back and reflect on that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I guess that's why we're doing what we're doing, is trying to mm -hmm. help, yes. help people start on a, on a different foot. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling if you've been following along with this podcast, this episode probably was a lot of fun. <laughs> I think if you're kind of new to the Bible, Mm. Mm. We covered a lot of ground. Yeah. We used a lot of. We were jumping all we were over. Jumping over, yeah. all over the place, using Bible vocabulary. Mm. I can imagine it being kind of hard to follow. Yeah, I hear that. But, but maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. This was great. So the next attribute, mm -hmm. axiom, yeah. principle of paradigm of the Bible. Mm -hmm. I forgot. We we were calling it something new. Mm -hmm. Are we happy yeah. with this? I, I think in the next conversation we will have some discernment. Traditionally, we've been calling this yeah. Jewish, Jewish meditation yeah. literature. Yep, yep. And is that something we coined, like the term? No, no. I uh, adopted that phrase from Hebrew Bible scholar uh, David Andrew Teeter. Mm. Great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and Dr. He, Teeter coined... Yeah, that's the first one I heard. Use that phrase as a shorthand to talk about it's a style of literature mm. that's designed for a lifetime of rereading in order to understand it. Mm -hmm. Meditation literature. yeah. yeah. And specifically the way that was done in the part of the world uh, through the culture of Jewish people. Yep. And, uh, and it's very artistic. Yeah. It's amazing. We're going to jump into that next. How do you read the Bible as meditation literature? Yep. Mm -hmm. What does such a thing even mean? That's what we're talking about next. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bible Project Podcast. Next week... We talk about the fourth pillar of the paradigm, that the Bible is meditation literature. You would only get this when you're reading these texts backwards and forwards and up and down and comparing parts that you wouldn't have thought to compare. But once you followed the design cues, it illuminates, it brings illumination into what it's about. We'd love to hear your questions and have them for an upcoming question and response episode. So if you find yourself wondering about things that we're talking about and want us to engage more, you can send us your question. Send it to info at bibleproject.com. Try to keep it to 20 or 30 seconds. Let us know who you are and where you're from. And if you're able to transcribe your question when you send it over, that would be immensely helpful to us. Our podcast is produced by Cooper Peltz. This episode was edited by Zach McKinley. Our lead editor is Dan Gummel, and the show notes are done by Lindsay Ponder. Bible Project is a nonprofit organization, and our mission is to experience the Bible as a unified story that leads to Jesus. Everything we make is free because of the generous support of many people around the world just like you, so thank you so much for being a part of this with us. Hi, this is Ali, and I'm from Loughborough. I first heard about the Bible Project when I was completing an Ignite Discipleship course. I use the Bible Project for my own spiritual growth and I like to share with my friends and new believers. My favourite thing about the Bible Project is it is a great visual aid 
and really helps break down the Bible into bite-sized chunks and simplifies and explains the Bible in more detail. We believe the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. We are a crowd-funded project by people like me. Find free videos, study notes, podcasts, classes and much more at BibleProject.com.